Let's start with a true Palm Sunday story from many, many years ago. Names omitted to protect the innocent and the guilty. Um, I just want you to go back with me to this moment in your imagination. Uh, Picture a group of children being led out of their Sunday school rooms. Down the hallway, single file, being led to the entrance of big church. This is unusual. This is not how Sunday school normally goes for these kids. And they're heading towards big church. Imagine that each of them is being handed, as they go to the entrance of big church, they're being handed a palm branch. And they're being instructed to walk right down that center aisle of big church and wave this palm branch over their head in front of all of these adults as the adults are singing Hosanna. Not the new Hosanna, the old Hosanna. Yeah. (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. (laughs) The kids, all of them seem to have some experience with this. This is nothing new. They did this last Palm Sunday and the Palm Sunday before that. They seem reasonably comfortable except for one kid. This one kid is visiting church for the very first time on Palm Sunday. And this one kid does not like this experience. And he is standing in line crying with his palm branch. And he, let's admit it, there is absolutely nothing There's nothing about this that makes sense in his little brain, right? You're telling me you want me to walk into that room full of grown-up strangers and wave this piece of greenery over my head while they sing a song to somebody named Hosanna. (laughs) No, thank you. I'm going to stand here and cry. Yeah. (laughs) Is there anyone here at all who can sympathize with that little boy, right? Um, Is there there any way we can climb into his little shoes as someone who doesn't know the language of church, as someone who doesn't know the traditions of church? If any of you came to this church thing late in life, right, and you had to learn the language and you had to learn the customs and you had to learn the traditions and you had to learn the Bible late, I was like 20. It was all foreign to me the first time I walked in. I I didn't know that there was going to be a book full of songs and we were going to have to know these little notes that went up and down and all this stuff. I didn't know. I didn't know they were going to make me do that, right? I didn't know how all this was, was going to work. I oh. didn't know that there was going to be one day of the year where we were going to emphasize palm branches and a non-English word. Can we sympathize and empathize with people who don't know that. There are things we do as a church that are foreign and strange to an outside world. And it's best that we admit that and try to help people not experience what that little kid experienced that day. But let's also admit, there's no other day on the church calendar that's so easily represented by a portable symbol. 
than Palm Sunday. Okay, maybe Good Friday. You can carry a cross in your hand. But I mean, you can't carry an empty tomb around. That'd be weird. <laughs> a palm, a palm branch, right? You know what you're doing on Sunday when there's a palm branch in your hand. We know what this is about. And when it comes to answering the question, what happened to you, which we started answering last week, we've got a word on Palm Sunday, Hosanna. It's a great word. It's a complex word. It's a strange word. But it's a great word to describe what happened to you. It's, a, it's as I mentioned last week, part of what happened to you is a singular word, what happened to me, but part of it is what happened to us. What happened to we as we'd say in East Tennessee. What happened to y'all? Um, Yuns. Um, Hosanna is an English version of a Greek version of a Hebrew word. It's almost lazy if you think about it. I understand. It sounds cool. In Hebrew, why mess with it? When, when, the, when the Hebrew word Hoshanya, Lord save, was brought into the Greek New Testament, the people who translated it into Greek looked at that and said, let's not mess with that. Let's just give it Greek letters, Hosanna. And when the English speakers looked at that and said, we're not going to mess with that, let's just give it English letters, Hosanna. I'm glad they did that because it's a cool word. And let's admit, it sings well. Am I right? I'm all right, yeah. Hosanna indeed. Sorry, Darden. That just still doesn't work for me, but maybe we'll work, still work on that. You've got, you've got a year. Um, the word is a prayer. Lord, save. Lord, please save. It's a prayer prayed by a group, but it's a prayer that over time became a praise. And when your confidence and your experience in the one doing the saving, the one you're praying to, when he has a track record of saving, it just becomes praise. Lord, save. You're the Savior. But the first people that prayed and praised it were expecting a very different answer to the prayer and the praise than we are expecting when we sing it. Um, You've got to be willing to pray it before you can praise it. And it's, the most bra- it's possibly the most basic prayer we could pray, right? Lord, save. Save me. Save me. It's as basic as, as Peter singing in the water and the waves. Save me. Right? But it gets to the heart of the question, what happened to you, which is what this series is about. And it's a great time to have this series. It gets to, the, to that little two-word sentence that you've seen on graffiti. I, there was a driving from... Um, North Carolina back to Knoxville, Tennessee on I-40 there. There was this little bridge that, that always had the graffiti on it, Jesus saves. I could always count on it being there, Jesus saves. I always wondered how in the world they got up there to paint it, but it, there it was. You could leave it to the, the rednecks, you know, to get, get up there and paint, Jesus saves. Um, Jesus saves, but you know what? Jesus saved, past tense. Jesus is saving, Present tense, and you want to hear something amazing? Jesus is going to save. <laughs> Future tense. Um, Jesus will save. From what? What did Jesus save you from? What is Jesus saving you from? 
What is Jesus going to save you from? Have you prayed that? Have you asked that? Has that prayer become your praise? Are we? Have we? Right? It's what a huge, huge question because that word save or salvation, like when we say what happened to you, that's kind of like this umbrella term that all these other stuff comes under. Last, last week when we talked about justified, we have this righteousness that is not our own. That's what happened to me. I was made righteous. I was given a righteousness that is not my own, Philippians 3. That's just like under this big umbrella called salvation. It's like the center and the circumference. And there's a story, a Palm Sunday story. Um, it's in Matthew 21. And um, these people, they're, they're crying out for salvation. Now, give or take a few years, let's say roughly 100 years before this moment, um, Rome had occupied Israel. Which means that every single person in this story had, had, had never known anything but Roman occupation of their nation, of their capital, of Jerusalem. Right? Every time they had ever been to Jerusalem for any festival, for any feast, there had been, always been Roman soldiers everywhere you looked. There had always been these guys with these swords, and they'd, all, they'd just been everywhere. That's all they had ever known. They'd always known Roman occupation. They'd always known Roman military, Roman taxes, Roman control, the heavy thumb of the Roman Empire. They'd always known a little coin that said, Caesar is Lord. There was no escaping it, that they were under pagan power. So what you have to imagine as you read this story is that there's, there's a foreign pagan power watching this go down, Right? And there are religious powers watching this go down. Well, let's read the story. Matthew 21. There's three versions of the story. I picked Matthew. Um, It's the last week. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place what was to be spoken by the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt the foal of the donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on them. Now that's a sermon. You've got to admit. I mean, that's just easy. Like that's set up, right? But come on. Like had Jesus been walking through town and he saw the, like, the mom and the baby colt and he goes, ooh, I'm going to remember that. And he walks over to the owner and says, hey man, like in a couple of weeks, I'm going to send my disciples and they're going to come up to you and they're going to say that my master needs this cult and, and you're going to pretend like this didn't happen and, and you're going to say, oh, sure, and I need for you to make sure nobody rides it till then because I need to be the first. Can we do that? Pretend this didn't happen. Like, did Jesus do that? I don't think that happened. This is just like a really powerful moment where Jesus is like, hey, go into town. This is going to happen. And you're going to speak these words. And when you speak these words, the person's going to be totally cool with it. 
And it happened, and the person was cool with it. Yeah, sure, dude, take my donkey and go. Like, do that. Try that with your neighbor's car. <laughs> hey, man, Jesus needs your truck. <laughs> I mean, Alan Bryant, he'll do that. <laughs> He's got a Jesus truck. But um, <laughs> that's just amazing. But there's a prophecy behind that, and Jesus knows it. Because it's a prophecy about him. And if you go back to Nehemiah, I mean, we can spend all day doing Psalms and Zechariah, but this is really cool because, you know, Zechariah came along in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, if you go back then. And you remember, God had wiped Jerusalem out, like no wall, no temple, no nothing, just greasy spot where Jerusalem used to be. And all the people are off to Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar right? And then all these years later, God starts sending them back. And right, you remember Nehemiah, they rebuild the wall and they start slowly rebuilding the temple, but then they start facing opposition. And these people around are like, oh no, they're going to rebuild this temple. This is not good. And it's all this opposition happens and they get discouraged and they're just like, oh, let's just build our houses and get this over with. This is difficult. And so God sends Zechariah the prophet and says, look, guys, you've been back here 20 years, and this temple's still sitting here, not finished. Finished. More importantly, you guys are losing your identity. You're God's people. Do you remember who your God is? Do you remember who he is? Do you remember who you are? You need to get this temple done. Because let me tell you what's going to happen in this temple one day. Zechariah 9 Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Someday your king's going to come back and he's going to come right up through here to this temple. He needs to be ready. (laughs) Get to work. But the rest of the prophecy is incredible. This is kind of like those mountain ranges. And I'm going to remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem, and I will destroy all the weapons used in battle. And your king will bring peace to the nations, and his realm will stretch from sea to sea. Wow. Judah will be my bow, Israel will be my arrow, Jerusalem will be my sword, and I will brandish it against the nations. The Lord will appear above his people. His arrows will fly like lightning. The Lord of heaven's armies will protect his people. They will defeat their enemies. On that day, the Lord their God will rescue his people as just as a shepherd rescues his sheep. And they will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. And how wonderful and beautiful they will be. Okay, there's some potential here in a guy on a donkey coming to Jerusalem. Wow. Does everybody know this? It's like on the side of the road, like in this story we're about to... Okay. So they bring in Jesus. He's on the donkey. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. So if they're, if they're on the Mount of Olives, how this works is you're up here, you go down through this valley, you come up a hill again, and you're coming into Jerusalem. And so you can imagine the crowds along the path, and they're spreading their cloaks on the road, and they're, they cut the branches from the trees, and they're spreading them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him, so you got people in the road in front of him, people in the road behind him, And they're shouting, 
Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Like this is a, a parade. And I, don't, I don't know if it quite had like this military Zechariah, this is going down kind of flavor to it. But they're praying it will, and they're like praising as if this guy's a king. He comes in the name of the Lord. They're calling him the son of David, who is the king. So there's some sort of expectation that this guy's taken over. And you've got the Romans looking on going, what's this all about? And if you read Psalm 118, which I'm not going to read all the way through, but this is an exact quote from Psalm 118. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. But it says in that Psalm, the stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Open me the gates of the righteous and I will... Enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous will enter. I will give you thanks for you answer me. You have become my salvation. So the Lord is God and he has made his light shine on us with bows in hand. Join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. So that's kind of the image these people have in mind. The king is here. We're going straight to Jerusalem. We're going straight to the temple. We're going straight to the altar. Y'all, this is going down. And they weren't far from wrong. They did go to the temple. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. So now the whole city is going, whoa, what's going on? Who is this? Who is this? Everybody's looking at each other. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? And the crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Oh, Jesus is Jesus, the guy from Galilee, the prophet, the prophet. We know about him. He's healed. He's done this stuff. He's raised a guy from the dead. And where does he go? He goes to the temple. And he starts killing all the Romans. Right? Wrong. <laughs> and he drives out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. I can imagine Jesus' PR team over in the corner going, this isn't how this is supposed to happen, Jesus. These are Jews. You're going for the guys in red with the swords. <laughs> okay, take two. Jesus, leave the temple. We'll come out and do this again. Yeah. <laughs> they're on our team. No, they're not. The nations are supposed to be able to come here and worship, and you're taking people's money. You've made this a den of... Thieves and robbers. You're ripping people off in the house of worship. What are you doing? <laughs> oh my goodness. What a public relations disaster this is. <laughs> you're, you're fighting the wrong people. The Romans are the bad guys. But there is a verse here that is so easy to, like, we stop right there. We stop right there. And we miss verse 14. This is so easy to miss, but do not miss this verse. Verse 14. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. 
Did you ever notice that? <laughs> so he's flipping over tables, like that's intimidating. And it also says like he, he was like over in the corner and he's making, making a whip. Like this isn't Jesus just like flying off the handle, walking in, ah, like, like short fuse. This is Jesus looking around, making a whip. I don't like what I see here. Making his whip. Gets done, drives him out. The blind and the lame are not intimidated. He still feels approachable to them. And he heals them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, this, this is nuts, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They're praising him as savior and king. The chief priests and the teachers of the law who stood to lose money when he started overturning tables, they were in Indignant. How dare he let these people praise him like that? How dare he let these children do this? They even go to him. Do you hear what these kids are saying? Jesus says, yes, I do. Have you never read? Which is a wonderful question because he knows they've read. They've read everything. They've memorized most of it. From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And they think, yeah, we read that. And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. All of these massive expectations, he comes into the temple, flips the whole place over, heals some blind people, heals some lame people, leaves with his disciples, and the next week will not be filled with battle. It will not be filled with victory. It will be filled with teaching that will offend the Jews, and will lead to his arrest and crucifixion. But the wheels of his enemies have now moved into high gear. It says in Mark 11, the chief priest and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, but because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. So they were indignant that he was being praised by children, and they feared him because everybody loved his teaching. Indignant and afraid. And it even says elsewhere that Pontius Pilate knew they were envious. <laughs> All of that led to Jesus being dead. So they're crying out to salvation for salvation. Hosanna, salvation to a king. And this is we salvation, not me salvation. This is the nation crying. They're crying out for a lion to fight for them. They're going to get a lamb who dies for them. They're going to get a king, but not in the way they expect to get a king. They're going to get a lion, but he's going to be a lamb first. He's going to conquer, but the first thing he's going to conquer is sin and death, and he will do that by dying first. Hosanna, save. Okay. But it's going to be messy. 
First of all, I'm going to go straight into the heart of worship, and I'm going to flip it upside down. I'm going to go straight. I'm going to clean this place out. It's full of idolatry. I'm going to clean that out. This is supposed to be worship and prayer. It's not that. I'm going to, I'm going to go straight to your idols, and I'm going to flip those over. And then I'm going to die to defeat your biggest enemy, which is your sin and death. I'm going to rise from the dead to defeat that. And then I'm going to leave. But I'm going to promise that I'm going to come back someday and do the rest of that Zechariah thing. But I'm going to leave you my spirit, right? We could go on. But, but I'm going to save you in a way that you just could not have dreamed of being saved and leave you more promises for being saved. You wanted a king, you get a king. But I will save you, he says, on my terms, not your terms. This is, without a doubt, the most basic cry for help. Jesus, save, God, save. So we get back to the question, what happened to you? If you can say, I was saved, you were rescued? Like, from what? What you were rescued from? I had to, social, I had to show some people again this week my driver's license. I'm... I find myself on the regular pulling out my driver's license because people are constantly telling me their biggest problem, so I have to pull out my wallet and say, here's my biggest problem. That guy right there, he's on my driver's license. Yeah, he's my biggest problem. He's such a pain. Ugh. He's all the time doing stuff I hate. Uh. Someday. <laughs> Jesus saved that guy on my driver's license, but Jesus is still saving that guy on my driver's license. I'm like, if you knew that guy on my driver's license back then, you'd look at him now and go, well, he's doing, he's a lot better. But I've been rescued from and I'm being rescued too. And I hope you have that story, that you have your rescue story, right? Like, like you were saved and you're being saved and you will be saved. Hosanna moves from prayer to praise when you're confident in the saving ability of the one you're asking to save. But do not be surprised if the king comes in and starts messing around in your temple because, like, I mean, we get this idea, oh, yeah, Jesus saves, man. He just comes in and he makes everything better. It's very possible he'll make everything extremely difficult for you and he'll mess up things. Just, man, just come in and flip tables all over the place, right? I bet you know people who, I bet you know the person sitting in your seat. There's probably people in this room, like, there were relationships that when you came to Christ, there were family relationships that got really difficult. There were probably people that looked at you and said, how dare you? How dare you become a Christian? How dare you become a Protestant? Or people looked at you and said, it's just a phase, you'll get over it. Right? <laughs> And he kept saving you, right? He's going after our idols. He's still going after mine. Um, but what he did past tense, he saved. And that's there. And that's our hope for the future. He gave us his righteousness. That's ours. It's ours forever. Remember what I said last week? We're going through. We're counting these. 
I'm up to 88 things Jesus did the moment I believed in him. He did, I'm, I'm confident I'll come to 100. 100 things Jesus did the moment I believed in him. 100 things. Like Jesus did a lot for you. He did a lot for me. Uh, and that's the power for everything else. Um, but if you just want to sum it up, Jesus saved. Um, I, like, you're 100 yards from the beach. You're flailing. And you got a shark on one leg. <laughs> the lifeguard swims out. He beats the shark off of you. You're bleeding. You say, thanks, Mr. Lifeguard, for saving me from that shark and for saving me from drowning. And he says, you're very welcome. And he swims back to shore and leaves you there. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> right? No, 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 no. He saves you too. He saves you too. And I wonder, is he saving us? Like, can we pray this corporately? Jesus, save us? Is that possible? Are we allowed to do that? Is that legal? I see some heads going up and down. Okay, yes. Jesus, save us. <laughs> like, Hosanna. Isn't that cool that when we sing Hosanna together, we're saying, Jesus, save us. Rescue us. And if we're really confident, we're singing it like praise, like we know he's doing it. He's rescuing us. What if we pray it now? Would you join me in that? God, oh my goodness, there's stories in this room. There are stories in this room. And we could take turns taking a mic and sharing the past tense Jesus saved me stories. And the present tense Jesus is saving me stories. And my goodness, the rescues we could hear. And the temple tables turning over stories we could hear. And the idols that were brought down stories we could hear. And the hope stories we could hear. Lord, um, save us individually. Save us collectively, Lord. Um, God, if there's people in this room who've never cried out, Jesus, save me. This would be a great time to cry out, Jesus, save me from my sin. Save me from death. Save me for forever. Lord, if there's people in this room right now who are struggling with an idol in their life, this would be a great time to, to, to cry out for a bigger vision of a bigger God and power over that idol, and a greater desire, a greater love for you. Lord, if there, there are people who've, who've taken their eyes off of the hope of victory over death and hope for eternity, I just pray that you'd remind them of that. We've sang about it, my goodness, we sang about it. And Lord, um, would you save our church? Would you save Creekside? Save us from despondency. Save us from discouragement. Provide for us in ways that only you could provide for us. Rescue us. And may we have a story to tell. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. We 
we cry out, Hosanna, and we, we pray that, we praise that with confidence. In Jesus' name, Son of David, save us. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.